Number 583, we will start our service with tonight. A warm word of welcome to everyone here. And let's stand as we sing this hymn. We face a task that is unfinished. And that's, of course, referring to the very gospel distribution of the Word of God across this world. And it will not be finished until our Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. So let's stand, please, as we worship Him now. Come to the Lord now, please, in prayer, committing our service to him. Lord, once more we give thanks for the great privilege that we have been given to be in an evening gospel service on the Lord's day. Dear God, we come this night to commit ourselves once more into your hand and pray, dear Father, for a gracious outpouring of the Holy Spirit in power tonight upon our meeting. Lord, as we have been singing this 
opening hymn of prayer and of devotion and commitment unto thy holy name. We pray, dear Father, that we would enter in with joy and with dedication and with renewed zeal in the work of Christ. Dear Father, I pray that each one of us as believers will know the reviving of spirit and heart and a renewal of our zeal in the cause of Christ, and that, Lord, you would place upon us that burden that is not man-made, it's not something self-generated, but it is indeed, Lord, the, the clear operation powerfully of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. Dear God, we do not know how much time we have left upon this earth. We do not know when our Lord will come back. But I pray that whatever time that you grant us, we will pray as Moses did, that, Lord, you would teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Father, we can say this with our hearts. We want to be used by our God for your kingdom and for the glory of Christ Jesus. And whatever time, hours, months, days we have left, that, Lord, we will be made use of. I pray, Father, that doors of opportunity would open. I pray, Father, that we would have those God-sent opportunities to witness to our neighbors and to our friends and family, to those we meet randomly, and those, perhaps, Lord, that we come across our paths of others and they are planned, and yet we do not know exactly how conversations will go, and therefore we are asking, Lord, for that divine direction. Open hearts, lead us, we pray, to some soul that will be led to Christ. Make use of us in that area, we ask, to be soul winners for your kingdom and glory. Father, Put your hand upon us tonight in this evening service. We are thankful for Brother Boyle, for the ministry that we had this morning, and we pray that tonight, as he shares with us the burden and passion of his heart and the work that has been established in Mexico City and the surrounding areas, that, Lord, you would encourage our hearts and help us to support the work by prayer, to support the work practically with our financial giving, and, Lord, that you would go in front in every single decision that is to be made. Remember, Lord, tonight those that are in our congregation that have a very special physical need. We think of our sister Joan McCurcher tonight. We pray for your hand upon her. Remember Serene. Remember Ron. Lord, bless these dear ones that we call and hold up before you on a regular basis. Remember those that are still suffering and grieving the loss of dear loved ones. Bless Flo. Put your hand upon her. Bless Lydia and Lou and Eunice and Caleb. Remember the Prince family tonight. Lord, just support and draw your arms of comfort and of love round about them, that they might know our prayers are with them. Remember June Hamilton tonight. Remember that young boy, Simeon Frank. And we also pray for that young girl in Whitfield facing surgery, Joanna. 
Lord, just undertake for her and bless her. Cause your spirit to be poured out that we might know what it is, Lord, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ that you would give us a heart, Lord, that we will not be so consumed with ourselves and all that we have to do, but, Lord, we will be looking out and reaching out as to how we might be a help and encouragement to others, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And, Father, we pray for our neighbors that we want to witness to and to share Christ with and how we might help them and show them friendship and to show them kindness and love, and whereby they might want to know what is different about us. And Lord, you would open that door of witness and opportunity. Bless, we pray, the gospel tracts that are given out. Bless the electronic sign on the front of our church building that scrolls the Word of God 24 hours a day. Bless those two signs, Lord, that are on Nielsen that have the gospel message on them. And let the drivers and the people that walk by and drive by, may they see them and be blessed by them. We think, Lord, of the new pillars that we have at the front of our driveway and the gospel texts that are on there and the lights that are shining on them all night long. Lord, use that word. And may we get to glory and find out that souls have been converted because they have read the clear gospel words that are there. So, Father, bless our hearts tonight, encourage our souls, remember the needs of all of our sister congregations, uh, remember the needs of all of our mission stations. Father, bless our nation. We need graciously, Lord, an awakening. We need the reviving of thy Spirit upon every Christian faithful to the Word of God. Our government needs help, Lord, and we pray that you would restrain that which is evil and bless that which is good and true and right. And Lord, we pray that for every attempt the devil has to put forward his evil agenda, that Lord, you would stop and allow the promotion of righteousness and truth in our land to go ahead. Father, hear our prayers tonight. Encourage our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We'll sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 580, and we'll stand once again to sing, Go, labor on, spend and be spent.
may be seated. As you can tell, the theme of the hymns we're singing tonight, well, it has to do with the outreach, missionary outreach, and of course that applies to each and every one of us because all of us are called to be missionaries for the Lord, to serve Him, and that our lives might be devoted to His cause and His way. I want to welcome you all this evening to our evening missionary service. Good to see you. You're here in person tonight. And uh, those folks who are joining us online, you are very, very welcome. An email uh, address will come up in front of the screen at some time through the service. And we encourage you to send us an email. We might have record of your stay with us and perhaps some way in which we can pray for you. If there is a special prayer request in need, will you let us know that and we'll be happy to reach out to you. Remember a couple of things, please, in your prayer. We're asking for prayers upon our sister Joan McKercher. Joan is facing some medical procedures. In the next little while, she's been not doing too well and uh, knows, and uh, we pray that she would know the Lord's hand upon her as well. Remember Diana Bershansky mentioned this morning that last Lord's Day afternoon, uh, she was out walking her dog, and uh, she tripped and uh, broke her ankle, and uh, that certainly set her back. So I know she'd greatly appreciate your prayers for her at this particular time. We mentioned this morning about the number of funerals that we have had recently, and that's been a difficulty and a challenge for dear ones in our congregation. And we want to say a word of thanks to our sister Flo, because the flowers that you see here today, well, they're from the funeral that was yesterday. Uh, her dear mom was laid to rest, and we want to pray for her, uh, for Flo and her family at this time, that the Lord would bless her and be very near to her. Continue to hold up June Hamilton, wife of Reverend Stephen Hamilton from Lehigh, uh, Pennsylvania, in your prayer. She had to go in for emergency surgery yesterday, and she will be having follow-up surgery this week, and just praying as she was diagnosed with cancer, and it's a very serious situation, so we want to remember our sister June, please, before the Lord. This coming week is a busy one as the meetings in Port Hope are running from Monday to Friday night at 7.30. Reverend Brian McClung, minister from Northern Ireland, is here for their 29th anniversary services. And I hope that you'll be able to make it out as some nights this week. That would be a blessing for you and an encouragement for the congregation. And so if you need directions to the church in Port Hope, well, you can go online and search there. And if you don't know that, you can ask one of our elders, and they'll be able to help you with that after the evening service tonight. Our Wednesday night prayer meeting will continue on at 7.30. And yet, if you want to go on that night to Port Hope, you feel free to go. If that's the only night you have free and you'd like to be there, you're welcome to do that. Next Lord's Day is Reformation Sunday, and we will be having Reverend Brian McClung with us as he is finishing off his week of meetings with Port Hope, and uh, we always enjoy the ministry of the visiting speaker on that next and that following Lord's Day. And so please remember that as we are unashamed to hold up the standard of what it means to be a biblical Protestant, not that we rejoice in a name or a tag per se, 
but it's all that that represents in the gospel heritage that we have, and we rejoice in what God has done and has given to us. I mentioned this morning about the hospitality team that we want to reestablish for our fellowship times, and uh, there was a great rush on that page at the back in the foyer, and we have one name down there. So some people must have missed that one, and we want to encourage you, don't leave tonight without putting your name on that list. We want to do as much as we can to encourage each other and to be a part of these fellowship times that we have. Also, I had the joy of mentioning this morning about uh, some changes that were taking place in Whitfield administration, and one is Dr. McClellan, who has served as president for many, many years, is retiring from the administrative work. And uh, we have retitled him as founder, as it was his vision originally back in 1989, along with the elders of the church at that time, to go ahead to start Whitfield Christian Schools. Well, we've come 33 years down the road from that, and this year our enrollment is around 260 students. A great responsibility, a great ministry, needing great prayer and much investment of work. And so we want to be in prayer that God will help and strengthen. I've also served for a number of years as the administrator of the school, but that change is now taking place, and Mr. Jonathan McAnally is going to be taking over that position. The session has appointed him to that, and the board was very, very happy with that appointment that was made. And our brother Jonathan was one of the original 16 pupils when we started in 1989. And he has continued right through and much involvement in the school and has for the last number of years served on the advisory committee and been involved in so many, many ways behind the scenes. And as an elder of our congregation, an important role the administrator has is to be a go-between between the school operation and our church board to be sure that we are all working on the same page at every level and there can be encouragement and direction given. We're also happy that the board has assigned two board representatives to serve also on that committee, and that would be Mr. Dan Browett and Mr. Mar Lewis. So pray for all of these men as they're very much responsible and accountable before the board and certainly to the Lord primarily and how we want to see our work going on from strength to strength. And that means that everyone in the congregation here, we need your prayers for that vital ministry. And I would say to everyone, do not let a day go past that you do not ask the Lord for his blessing to be upon our school ministry and, of course, upon the work of outreach and the ministry going on here in our own congregation. These are absolutely necessary and vital things. Regarding the offering today for the work of God here and also a special offering that you would like to make toward the work in Mexico, I would ask you to write on your offering envelope or however you're giving to the church. If you're doing it online donation, however that's taking place for you, you can mark that offering and whatever you would like to put toward the work in Mexico you can mark that on there, and we'll be sure that it is directed uh, down to our mission board, and our mission board then will direct it to the right location toward the mission work in Mexico City. 
Those are some important announcements that we have today for you. And all of these things, they're part of the work of God here. It's part of the worship of God. And that's why we don't relegate the announcements and ministry things to some other time of the service. We make them a part of the work of Christ here, because that's what it's all about. And that's why we want your prayers and your worship in tithes and offerings that go toward the extension of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. That's what we are here for, and that's what we want to be doing. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise. We have a hymn that is not in your hymnal, but the words will be on the screen, For the Sake of His Name. And let's stand, please, as we sing this. I'd like the organ and piano and the instruments that are here with us to play through the first verse to be sure that we get the tune. You can just remain seated for just a moment. I asked you too soon. That's my fault. Let's listen to that played through once, and then we'll stand and sing together.
what a precious hymn that is that speaks much of the need of going and of speaking the gospel word far and wide. We were encouraged today and blessed and challenged and somewhat rebuked as well, which is part of the work of the Scripture. And as God's servant brought us the challenge today that we would always test our motives and be sure that we are in obedience and subjection to the Word of God, the Scriptures. And so it was a a good and a blessed, encouraging message today by our brother Jason Boyle. Reverend Boyle is the minister of Mexico City, uh, the Free Presbyterian Church uh, there, and we're very happy to welcome him again, and for the first time, his dear wife with us and their two uh, sons. We're very happy Danielle and uh, Jonathan and Caleb. They're with us today, and we want to welcome them heartily. Yep, that's right. We're happy to have these little ones with us today in the service. They have been doing deputation across our vast land of Canada for the last number of weeks. In fact, it's probably over a month now that they have been with us, and uh, we're coming down to the final leg of the journey for them, and they'll be speaking here, of course, uh, brother, tonight, and then they'll be taking a week of holiday, a little bit of a break this incoming week. The next Lord's Day, they will be in Port Hope and in Barrie. So do remember them as they do some traveling around and taking a time of break, and then as they'll be heading back the following week uh, to their own work in Mexico, and the Lord would bless them richly. Our brother has a video presentation tonight. He's going to say a few words of introduction first of all, and then show the presentation, and uh, then bring a challenge of the word. So, brother, you're very welcome to service tonight. Amen. It's been a great privilege to be with you uh, today. We were encouraged this morning by your words that you've been praying for us, the love you've shown to our kids as they were here this morning running around the building, and we're very thankful for that. We're thankful to know that we I have the prayers of God's people uh, all over many countries, and we're thankful for your, your hospitality and for your prayers for us. Uh, we've been missionaries in Mexico City since uh, July 2010 is when we went down. It's hard to believe that much time has gone by, um, but we're going to show a brief video presentation so you can see what the Lord has done over these years, and so you can con- continue to pray for us uh, on a spe- in a specific way. And after that, I'll come and share the word of the Lord. Jason and Danielle Boyle arrived in Mexico in July of 2010. Before starting their ministry, they studied Spanish at the local university. During this stage, the Lord in His providence brought some people together, and they were able to hold their first church service on January 1st, 2012, in their home. They started with 13 people and met in their home for nine months. During that time, the Lord began to bless the church in an amazing way. People started coming. Some were saved, while others were thankful to have found a church with sound doctrine. In the first year, the Lord gave them a foundation to build on. 
a core group of people that were saved, that the Lord was sanctifying, and that was committed to the work of the church. After nine months, they moved their meeting place to a rented garage with two additional rooms that were made into a kitchen and a children's room. They stayed in this location for almost nine years. During those beginning years, they focused on teaching the people, almost all of whom were new Christians or Christians coming from churches with false doctrine. They focused on studying doctrine, worship, and church government. The Lord blessed and continued to teach the people, as well as bring in family members and others to be saved, baptized, and form part of the church. Around the time when the church moved its meeting place, they began Sunday school for adults and children. The Children's Sunday School is a five-year program which has graduated two groups of children who are now young adults and adults in the church. Currently, they have a Sunday school for ages 2 through 10 with about 10 children, which they hope to split into two classes when there is space to allow for it. The church ran a vacation Bible school for seven years, which was a great opportunity to connect with the community and establish a local presence in the neighborhood. The majority of the children in attendance throughout the years of VBS were from unbelieving families in the neighborhood, and some years there were up to 60 children. Over the years, the Lord continued to bless, and with its ups and downs, the church grew slowly and steadily. In February of 2017, just after the church's five-year anniversary, the church was constituted and Jason was ordained as the pastor. It was a time of much blessing and reflection on how the Lord had worked in the church and brought it to the point of constitution. It was a joyful and emotional service for all. The church welcomed 23 founding members that day, and enjoyed the presence of representatives of the North American Presbytery. Since that time, the church has elected five deacons who are a tremendous blessing to their pastor and church. Even though in the years following, the church went through some times of tribulation and difficulty, the Lord has sustained His work in His grace. Throughout the years, more than 25 people have been baptized, and members continue to be added to the church. The Lord has been very good, and the church currently has a regular attendance of 80 to 85 people. In July 2021, the church moved to a new location that continues to require much work to make it usable, but does provide the church with more space. In January 2022, the church celebrated its 10-year anniversary. A common theme recently among the new congregants who have come from previous churches is that of spiritual abuse at the hands of false teachers. Many people have had to unlearn some bizarre teachings and start from scratch, constructing their lives upon the solid Word of God. The Lord has graciously allowed many people to pass through the church's doors and make themselves a part of their church community. Each has their own story, which is precious to our Savior. Mariana is a young lady of 17 who was far from the Lord in her early teenage years. She attended with her family, but was very rebellious and resistant to the Lord and His Word. During the pandemic, when she was 15, the Lord saved her after hearing the preaching of the Word one Sunday. 
From that point on, there was a remarkable change in her attitude and her desire to be in God's house and God's word. She travels two hours each way in public transportation with her mom and brother every Sunday to attend church. When the Lord saved her, she began praying in the prayer meetings and everybody was thrilled by the change in her life. Last year, in one of her public school classes, the teacher was assigning topics for a debate and asked the class if anyone was against homosexuality. Only Mariana raised her hand. So the teacher told her that she would take the side of the debate against homosexuality and that she, the teacher, would take the opposing side. Mariana began preparing for the debate and asked the church for prayer since she was very nervous. The church prayed for God's grace, and the young people of the church set up a mock debate to help her prepare. The Lord gave much grace during the debate and answered prayer as well in giving Mariana opportunity to share the gospel. After the debate, the teacher asked if she would stay on after the class and then expressed to her that she had never heard anyone defend their position so clearly and asked her questions about the gospel. God gave Mariana grace to share the gospel with her teacher in that moment, as well as with another classmate who sought her out after the debate. We are so thankful for the Lord's work in her life and pray that she will continue to grow in Him. She helps in the children's Sunday school and hopes to be a Sunday school teacher one day. Angel is an 11-year-old boy that has been in the church since he was three. His mother, who is a single mom, attended off and on in the early years of the church. Angel would throw a temper tantrum any time his mom tried to bring him to children's Sunday school since he associated with his regular public school. After many months of this, Daniel was able to bring him into the Sunday school room and, and hold him while he cried, and eventually, for the first time, he began listening and participating. After the class, he very sweetly thanked Daniel for helping him to be in the class. Ever since that day, he has been a most attentive Sunday school student. However, there were still reports from his mom that he was very difficult at home and at school. During the pandemic, when he was nine years old, Danielle encouraged him and the other children to continue on with their Bible readings and memorizing the children's catechism. Danielle got extra copies of the eight-book series that is used in the Sunday school program so that she could lend each child a book, and when they would finish, they would trade it in for the next one. Angel excelled in this area, and as a byproduct, his mom has learned much basic Bible knowledge as well. She gave testimony that during the pandemic, something changed in Angel. It was a heart change that filtered down to all areas of his home life and school life. God, in his grace, reached down and used the truths and doctrines from the Bible reading and catechism to change this boy's heart. He even surprised Daniel over a Zoom call by memorizing the last chunk of the catechism questions way before schedule. Each family in the church has their own story, and we are thankful for the Lord's work in each one. Pray that the Lord will continue to bring his people into the church, and that they would receive the teaching and love that they need to grow in him for his glory. The Lord has given many opportunities for ministry within the church over the years. Besides Sunday school and VBS, for years the church has had men's and women's meetings. Even pre-pandemic, many would participate by listening to an audio recording of the meetings because the largeness of the city and the traffic made it impossible for them to come out to a meeting during the week. For eight years, the church hosted a women's conference where women from sister churches in other states and other local churches would attend. For many years, the church had youth meetings as well. And in the Lord's grace, many young people continue to grow in the Lord and are committed to the local church. There is a great burden in the church for them that the Lord would protect them and raise them up as leaders of the next generation for His name. 
There was an annual youth camp for three years that began in 2017 for the youth of the church and those of the sister churches in Mexico. As in any country, the young people are being attacked and influenced by the world. Pray that they will grow in their faith and that they would form friendships and relationships with other Christians their age. There are five deacons in the church who have been a great help in the last few years. They have taken on many responsibilities and have enjoyed their service to the local church. There is also a group of men that have met together as part of an elder training program. This is one of the local church's biggest needs, that the Lord would raise up men to come alongside Jason and serve as elders in the church. Some men who make up that group are coming along well. And we pray that in the near future, the church would have the blessing of electing elders. One of those men who has studied for many years with Jason is Ruben, who is a 25-year-old deacon that has been in the church since almost the very beginning. The Lord saved him and has called him to the ministry. He has been studying for a few years and in 2021 began taking seminary courses. He is also translating some of the Geneva Reformed Seminary courses into Spanish and is doing some preaching in the church. Pray that the Lord would protect him and help him to grow spiritually so that one day he can go out and be used in the pastoral ministry. Pablo is another man who is called to the ministry and began his seminary work in GRS in the fall of 2022. He has a heart for the people and a desire to serve the Lord in the Free Presbyterian Church. Please pray for his preparations and as he begins to preach in the church. One of the things that the Lord has done over these ten years in the church is something completely unexpected. He has opened the door for ministry, not just in the local church, but also with men and churches who have joined and want to be part of the Free Presbyterian denomination. Throughout these years, pastors and men have contacted Jason, wanting to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church. Over time, relationships have been established, both formal and informal. These relationships start out with visits to their churches to get to know them, and if there is continued interest, there are subsequent trips to encourage and teach on the FBC distinctives. Many contacts have been made and developed, and even today, there continues to be new interest where contact and teaching is in the beginning stages. Lalo Peña is pastor of a church in Cordova, Veracruz, which is about four and a half hours east of Mexico City. Jason met him through contact with another pastor in 2014 and has enjoyed fellowship with him since that time. In that same year, he came under care of the North American Presbytery, and over the years took Geneva Reformed Seminary courses, which Jason proctors. He has been licensed by the Presbytery and is preparing for ordination and the future constitution of his church. Lalo was pastor in a large charismatic church, but came out of that movement when he learned the doctrines of grace and began a small reformed church about seven years ago. Pray for Lalo and his family and church that the Lord will bless with growth and allow many years serving him in Mexico. Ramon Souza is pastor in the Dominican Republic who contacted Jason in 2016 with an interest in joining our denomination. He came under care of the presbytery that year, 
and has recently finished his courses from Geneva Reformed Seminary and been licensed, and is preparing his church for constitution within our denomination and for his ordination, Lord willing. He is a four-hour or so plane ride away, but Jason has been able to visit him six times. Praise the Lord for what he's doing even in other Latin American countries. Jair Aguilar is a young man that Jason met eight years ago at a conference, and the friendship continued over the years, especially when he started a church five years ago in the state of Puebla. Jason has preached for them and taught on the doctrines of grace, Presbyterian church government, and free Presbyterian distinctives. They have come under the supervision of the Mexico City Church as a mission church, and Jair has begun his seminary training with Jason proctoring his courses. The Mexico City Church has a special link with this church in Tehuacan, as Melisset, a young lady from Mexico City who attended the church from the very first Sunday, was baptized in the church, became a beloved Sunday school teacher for the children, and was a founding member, married Jair in 2019. She is an English teacher and is currently helping by translating GRS seminary courses. Another man who has joined with Jason and the Mexico City work is Wenceslao, whom Jason met in the same conference years ago where he met Jair. He lives and ministers in Jalpan de Serra, Querétaro, and is teaching his church the doctrines of grace and Presbyterian church government. He is continuing his seminary training with Jason proctoring his courses. Wenceslao's brother-in-law, Pepe, lives in Axla, San Luis Potosí, and is also striving to teach his church sound doctrine and what the denomination believes. Pepe is continuing his seminary training with Jason proctoring his courses. Together with these five men, Jason's desire is that the Lord would raise up a Mexican free Presbyterian denomination with the desire to reach out to other Latin American countries as well. The pastors have begun meeting twice a year for a week of prayer and to plan, and are seeking the Lord's guidance for wisdom and how to move forward. Another opportunity that opened up a couple of years ago is in Soconsotla, Puebla. Miguel is an indigenous preacher who is interested in learning sound doctrine and is looking for the Lord's leading. Juan, a pastor of a charismatic church in a village just 15 minutes away from Soconsotla, has also recently expressed an interest in learning Reformed doctrine and being taught. The native language in these villages is Totonaco, and so, although these men do speak Spanish, their education is more difficult. Sahai, a single lady from the Mexico City Church, moved to Soconsotla in 2021 and has begun to minister to the women and children there. A visit in March 2021 provided them with encouragement and teaching materials, and in the summer of 2022, the Mexico City Church sent an evangelistic team during a medical campaign. Pray for wisdom in regards to how the Lord would work in Soconsotla. These many opportunities are one of the most exciting things happening in the ministry in Mexico. The Boyles are focused on the local church and what the Lord is doing there, but he has also opened up these doors of opportunity in Mexico and Latin America for fellowship and for working together with sister churches. 
It has been a great blessing, especially in the area of fellowship. Since the Mexico City Church is the first free Presbyterian church in Mexico and in all of Latin America, the work is separated from its sister churches in North America, Ulster, and Nepal by distance, culture, and language. But the Lord has brought fellowship with these more local brethren and their churches, which has been a great encouragement. The Mexico City Church serves as a hub of fellowship and teaching for these other churches. These opportunities in fellowship with these sister churches, along with the opportunities for church plants, show the great need for laborers. The Boyles are praising the Lord that there are a few men studying the seminary courses that Jason proctors, as well as a few more that have shown interest. In 2021, Jason began to teach seminary-type courses in Spanish, starting with a homiletics class with 16 men from all over the country, and, Lord willing, will be continuing with biblical theology and other courses afterwards. Long-term, there is a need for a seminary. That is beyond the scope of possibility currently, as there is simply not enough time and resources to develop it. Geneva Reformed Seminary courses are being translated for the men, and also some courses are being adapted as necessary according to the materials that are available in Spanish. Laborers and materials are needed to start a seminary in the future. This is the vision for the future of the work in Mexico. Pray for the Lord to raise up men to plant churches, both in the city and in other parts of Mexico, and that he will guide in the formation of a Mexican presbytery, a Mexican free Presbyterian church, so that his name is glorified. The Lord is doing a work in Mexico and in all of Latin America. People are hungry for sound doctrine, hungry for stable and solid biblical churches. Pray that the Lord would use the work in Mexico City to meet those needs. Pray that the Lord would first of all raise up men in the local church in Mexico City, that he would raise up elders for the work. But then also pray that the Lord would send men out to plant churches, that the formation of a Mexican presbytery would go smoothly with these men who have joined with the work and with others who have been in contact and are interested. The door is wide open, and the need is great. The church began by meeting in the Boyle's home. Then, after the first nine months, they moved to the location where they met for the next nine years. Thankfully, a year ago, they moved to a slightly bigger place that will accommodate their growing congregation. But they are still in need of a permanent place to meet, a place that will work for them long-term as they grow and minister in Mexico City. Their current location has a roof that creates a greenhouse effect, and even with eight or nine fans going every Sunday, the heat causes a serious problem. The rainy season has also shown where the water leaks are more prominent. There has been water damage to some furniture, even though they cover all of the kitchen in large tarps at the end of every Sunday. Measures are taken to provide an extra layer of protection from the elements for the piano, sound equipment, and kitchen during the week. During the last part of 2019, the Boyles began to look in earnest for a place to buy. The idea of owning a property in Mexico City always seemed beyond their resources, but in faith they decided to see what was available. 
They believe the Lord has led them to this property, which is located just about a third of a mile from where they used to meet and about a mile from where they are currently meeting. And that's very important because this is the area of the city where the Lord has called the church to be. And it's important to continue with a presence that has been established in the community. This property is not on the main street, which is helpful because of the noise level and because sometimes the main streets get shut down for parades, causing problems on Sundays. But it is only a three-minute walk away from the main street, which is perfect for people coming on public transport and still in a very visible place in the community. The property consists of two parts. Half of the land is empty and not built up at all, and the other half has two houses, one that could be used for a man's, and the other a space for offices, midweek meeting rooms, and Sunday school rooms, while they build on the empty lot. After a church building is constructed, the second house would serve to house pastors and their families that come for presbytery meetings and for mission teams. The opportunities this property gives are endless. The desire is to build a church building that can also be used for presbytery meetings, conferences, and a seminary, with a parking lot beside it, something that is much needed in one of the largest cities in the world. This property would not only meet the local congregation's growing needs, but also serve to help other churches, to be a hub and a help to their sister churches, and to be able to meet the needs of a free Presbyterian denomination in Mexico in the near future. The property is over 2,000 square meters, which is over 20,000 square feet, or about a half an acre. It's hard to find property that size to build on in Mexico City, and especially in the part of the city where the church is located. The Boyles believe the Lord has led them there, and that this is the property He has for them. So please pray that the Lord will provide, not only in regards to their need for a property, but for their local church and all the doors the Lord has opened there. Thank you for praying for them and for being a part of the work in Mexico. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Psalm 118, verse 23. for your prayers. We send out uh, a prayer report about every two months. If you're interested in receiving that, you can tell me. I'll write down your email address. Or you can contact your pastor, one of the elders, uh, because we do need your prayers. And if I could emphasize especially uh, prayers for uh, having elders in the near future. It seems like there are two men who are uh, almost ready, uh, but that seemed to be the case a few years ago as well, and sometimes there are difficulties. So we pray that the Lord would lead and give us discernment and wisdom that's the next step that our church needs to take. And if you especially pray for Pablo and for, for Ruben as well, and you saw them in the presentation, there are two men in the church who have been called to the ministry, 
and who are studying online at GRS. You can imagine it's difficult as they're taking classes in their second language. Uh, their English is fine, but it's hard to take uh, Geneva Reform classes in your own language, let alone a second language. And so if you could pray for them and pray the Lord would protect them as well, that the you know, Lord would bring along spouses for them and the Lord would prepare them for the ministry. So we thank you for your prayer support for us, and we ask if you would continue to do that. If you have any questions about what you saw in the presentation, or maybe something that wasn't covered in the presentation, please feel free to contact us after we leave, or talk to us tonight before we leave, and we'd be happy to uh, share any information or answer any questions uh, that you might have. We're going to turn our Bibles to the book of Acts in chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we're going to read... Verses 1 through 5, and then over in chapter 14, verses 21 to 28. Acts chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Now, there were in the church that was the Antioch certain prophets and teachers... There's Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. When they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John to their minister. And over in chapter 14, reading verses 28 to 20, 21 to 28, Acts 14, 21. And when they preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. After they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. When they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Amen. We thank the Lord for the reading of his word, and let's pray and ask them to help us in this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to meet together again this evening in your house with your people. Lord, we're thankful for the work that you are doing across this world, here in Toronto, across Canada, and other countries as well. We thank you, Lord, that your word is going forth and Lord, we pray that you would help us to see how we should be involved according to your will. Lord, we pray that you would take this passage and apply it to our hearts, help us to understand. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in every heart this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While not every Christian is a missionary, every Christian should be involved in missionary work. That's very simply what I want us to study and understand tonight. And no, I'm not contradicting what your pastor said a little bit earlier in the, in the service. While not every Christian is a missionary, every Christian should be involved in missionary service. I do want to clarify because I don't want anyone to leave here misunderstanding what I'm saying either. Every Christian is a witness. Every single Christian is called to evangelize. 
Every Christian is called by God to spread the gospel everywhere that he can. That's beyond question. But I also think it's very helpful to be precise in the terms that we use. And historically, the term missionary has been used for those who go to witness for the Lord and spread the gospel in a different culture. Not just another country, but a different culture. And I think that's an important distinction because one of the dangers of saying every Christian is a missionary in his home, at his job, in his neighborhood, is that then no one is necessarily exercised to get up and go and leave and go serve another culture. Christians are very happy to be missionaries in the place where they live and work, and with that belief they can avoid the possibility the uncomfortableness that the Lord could call them to go someplace else and serve him there. And so that's why I make the distinction. Every Christian is, a, is not a missionary, but every Christian is to be involved in missionary work. God has called some specifically to leave their home and their country and their family and their comfort and go to another culture to spread the gospel. Now, at the same time, to avoid going to another extreme, a Christian, a missionary, is not a super-Christian. Like, a missionary is not someone extra special just because they have gone to live in another country. In one sense, a missionary is simply a Christian living his life, ministering or pastoring, just as so many do, but in a different culture. And of course, there are some specific challenges to that, to learn a new language and culture, which I think many of you know in your own experience. It's different to go and live someplace else But a person is not someone extra special just because they live and minister the gospel in a different country. So not every Christian is a missionary, but every Christian is to be involved in missionary work. We see that principle in the two passages that we read this evening. Some Christians participate in missionary work in their own local church, preparing and sending out and supporting missionaries who go to another culture while others are called by God and set set apart by God to go and spread the gospel in a different place. But whatever God has called the Christian to do, he or she must be involved in some way in the missionary work that God has called the church to do. So let's consider this in two parts. Every Christian should be involved in missionary work. First of all, some Christians are involved in that missionary work in their own local church. I think it's impossible to overemphasize the importance of the local church in missionary work. Now, obviously, as a general rule, missionaries go out to plant their own local churches. But here I'm talking about Christians involved in missionary work in their own local church that trains and sends out and supports missionaries. That's one of the emphases that we see here in these two passages that we read in the book of Acts. First of all, at the beginning of chapter 13... We read about the involvement of the local church in the city of Antioch in sending out Paul and Barnabas as missionaries. Now, we always hear about Paul and Barnabas. When you hear a missionary message, and you're sure to hear about Paul and Barnabas and their missionary journeys. But we don't always think about the local church that sent them out. We should. We see, first of all, that this church in Antioch was a training ground. Again, Acts 13, verses 1 and 2. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So we see there were various men serving in that church. They were serving as prophets and teachers, including Paul and Barnabas. It's very important to note that in verse 2 it says, As they ministered to the Lord 
the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas from that group of men, from their service in the local church, to go and minister elsewhere. Paul and Barnabas were not just sitting around doing nothing. They were active in their local church, and as they were active in their local church, they were called to go someplace else. So the local church is a place to serve. Paul and Barnabas were serving along with these other men, and when the time came, the Lord called them. So part of the work of the local church is to teach the people, to ground them in their faith, and to help them to grow. Of course, that training is for everyone, but also every local church should be praying that the Lord would be using that teaching and training in the local church to prepare future missionaries within the church to be sent out to go minister the word of the Lord in another place. And of course, everyone, without exception, should be active in the work of their local church. In one way or another, we should never lose sight of the fact that the work and ministry of the local church is for every Christian in the church, in one way or another. There is no Christian who is called to simply attend church, fill the pew, check off church attendance every week. Every Christian, every believer is to be involved in his local church, or he is not functioning as he should in the body of Christ. But if the church is a training ground in general, and here specifically for missionaries, then very practically the church also has to be ready to lose members to the mission field. Because of course some will stay, and we need people to stay. We need elders and deacons and pastors. We need members who will stay and teach to attend, to participate in so many ways. People will stay, but also a growing, healthy local church will be willing and ready to lose some of its members and some of its best members, some of its young people, to the mission field. That should be part of the mindset. That should be part of the goal of the training and teaching of the church. Some will stay, but also some will go. And parents have to be ready to see their children go to the mission field as well, which is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice not to live in the same country as your kids, a sacrifice to send them off to another country and maybe to a very dangerous place to serve the Lord. Most parents want their kids close by or, or somewhat close by even after they're grown. And imagine if you have grandchildren, not be able to see your grandchildren very often because they live in another country. Parents, grandparents, we should always remember that our children are not really ours. They belong to the Lord. and We cannot hold on to them when the Lord has called them somewhere else. We should be training our children in the service of the Lord and preparing ourselves for the Lord to send them where he would have them to go. But also we see here that some of the men stayed. Some of the men listed here apparently stayed in Antioch, at least at that time. And without a doubt, they continued serving in their local church that was involved in the training and sending out of missionaries, which is the next thing that we see. This church sent Paul and Barnabas. They trained them. They gave them the opportunity to serve, and then they sent them out. The local church was involved in sending out their missionaries. Look back at verses 2 and 3. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So the church was preparing men. The men were serving. And so when those men were called, there was no resistance on the part of the church, or at least we don't read of any. The church recognized the call of the Holy Spirit. They fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. 
and sent them out. Now, fasting and praying reminds us of the importance of seeking the Lord and His will, especially in a day where the Holy Spirit does not speak to us directly as He did in this passage. The Holy Spirit leads us by His written Word, and we fast and we pray as we study the Scriptures in order to know the mind of the Lord. Laying hands on them showed that the, that the church officially authorized these men to go on their missionary journey. Laying hands on them was not and is not something magical that transfers power, but a symbol of authority. So this local church sent out Paul and Barnabas as missionaries. That's part of the responsibility of the local church to send out and for the missionaries to be sent by a local church. But something also that's very important here that the church sends missionaries out, but then they should not be forgotten. It's one thing to train people and to send them out, but they still need support when they have gone out as missionaries. And this church here did not forget their missionaries. As we see in chapter 14, that Paul and Barnabas go back to Antioch after having ministered in many different places and give a report to the church of what the Lord had done among the Gentiles. They even stayed in the church for a time before going back out again. They had not been forgotten When they returned, they were greeted with joy, and they felt comfortable enough to stay for a while. And therefore, I believe that the fasting and praying of the local church for their missionaries did not just occur when they were sent out, but clearly while they were on their missionary journey as well. This church was attentive to the needs of their missionaries, and they were continually praying to the Lord for them and supporting them. And so every Christian can be should be involved in missionary work in their local church. Some will use their gifts to teach and prepare people, from children to young people to adults, to leave and serve the Lord elsewhere. Sunday school teachers are so important. I think sometimes they don't realize that. They can be used in such a great way in the lives of children and young people and not even know it. And everyone in the church, teacher or not, can use their gifts to prepare people. Everyone can pray that the Lord would send out missionaries from the church. Everyone should be willing to sacrifice the best members of their local church to go out and serve the Lord in a different culture. Everyone should be willing to see their children and grandchildren go and serve the Lord somewhere far away. And everyone should continually pray and give when the Lord calls. The church must prepare and send, but then also remember and continue to support by their prayers and offerings the missionaries that God has sent out. On a personal level, we can attest to that truth as a family of the principles that we see here. We, we both had the privilege of being trained in our local churches, to be sent out by our local churches, by our denomination. And every time someone writes us to say that they're praying or, or, or visits us, or when we come and visit the churches and we see you face to face and you say you've been praying for us, can you ask specific questions about the people in our church and our prayer requests, it's so encouraging. It reminds us we're not alone on the mission field because the church is praying for us and supporting us continually. So every Christian should be involved in missionary work. And some Christians are involved in that work in their local church. But also some Christians are involved as missionaries who go out from their local church. We can see in these passages some, description of, some descriptions of these men who were sent out as missionaries from Antioch. Again, we see, first of all, in chapter 13, verse 2, that Paul and Barnabas were called as they ministered to the Lord. They were already involved in their local church. I want to emphasize that. 
Because it's a grave error to think that someone who is not committed to the local church and involved in its ministry will suddenly be passionate about the work of the Lord if they go to another country. That's not how it works. Those who are serving the Lord in their local churches are the ones that the Lord often calls to go out and serve Him elsewhere. We see as well then that Paul and Barnabas were called. Missionaries are always called, and in two ways. First, inwardly by the Spirit, and then outwardly by the church. Here it was easy because the Holy Spirit, as he still did in the time of the apostles, spoke and made it clear that he had called these men. And then the church did the same thing in obedience to God and his word. But even though we live in a different time, the principle is still the same. A man or a woman is called inwardly by the Holy Spirit, and then that call is ratified by the local church, which both protects the church and the person. People don't call themselves and send themselves. Missionaries are called, and missionaries are sent. So again, someone who is not part of a local church, and not involved in the local church, and not under the spiritual supervision of the local church, is not suddenly going to say, I'm going to the mission field, and expect the whole church to be on board, and give them money, and send them out. Missionaries are prepared, and trained in their local church, and then sent out from their local church. Next, we can see what a missionary does after he's sent. First, we see that he preaches the word, Acts chapter 13 and verse 5. They were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John to the minister. Then over in Acts 14, verses 21 to 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Missionaries do not go out simply to help people with social issues. Missionaries do not go out simply to feed and clothe people, to teach them to read, to teach them music, or whatever it may be. Now, those things are not wrong. Those things probably probably will be included in many ministries on the mission field. But those things are not the main thing. The main thing is always preaching the word. Preaching the gospel and seeing men and women and children transformed by the word of God, transformed by the gospel, which will then lead to other kinds of changes in their lives. Chapter 14, verse 22, we see very specifically what Paul and Barnabas were doing when they returned and visited the churches they had established. It says they were confirming the souls of the disciples. They were discipling the believers in their faith and their Christian lives, encouraging them, exhorting them to continue on. We read, exhorting them to continue in the faith. They were teaching them, or probably reminding them, we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. These men went out to preach. These men went out to disciple believers, to confirm them in their faith, and to teach them about the Christian life. That's what a missionary does. And there's a great need in all parts of the world for men like that. A great need for pastors. Not just for preachers, but for pastors. For men will preach the word, but also disciple the believers, confirming their souls, exhorting them to continue in the faith while they provide an example of what that means, continuing, persevering with the flock, even through much tribulation. When we have men like that in our churches, as we do, we should always thank the Lord for them, pray for them. We need more. We need the Lord to raise up more men like that, more pastors in all of our churches and on the mission field. Also in chapter 14, we see these missionaries ordained and established elders in the churches they had started. Verse 23, 
when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And again, this is really what should be happening in all of our churches. This is what we pray for constantly, that the Lord would raise up men to be elders. As pastors, we would be training and preparing men for that office. I think it's especially true on the mission field, where many times you're dealing with first-generation Christians And there's such a great need to see the men grow in their faith and grow in holiness in order to take on the responsibility of leadership in the church. Some missionaries are called to to plant a church, to train the men, to turn the church over to them. Other missionaries stay in one church, but they still train the men, establish elders in the church, and send other men out to preach and plant churches. But in, in whatever way God has gifted the missionary, this is his responsibility to train others as well to preach and to plant churches. And finally, in regards to the example of Paul and Barnabas as missionaries, we see that they returned to the local church that sent them to report and to encourage. Chapter 14, verses 26 to 28. And then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. So these missionaries returned to their local church to report on what the Lord had done. And that does two things. It encourages the church, and it encourages the missionary. It says, They went back to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. They gathered the church together. They didn't just talk to the leaders Because everyone in the church is important. Everyone should be involved. They rehearsed to the church all that God had done. They gave a report about the work that the Lord had done, how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Absolute miracle in that time. They encouraged the church by telling them of what God was doing, and undoubtedly they were encouraged as well in return. And that's precisely what we're doing on this trip. Obviously, Paul and Barnabas didn't have video in that time. But though the means change, the message is the same. The missionary comes back home and testifies of the Lord's work. He reports on what the Lord has done to give him the glory. And that encourages the church, the churches, in regards to what God has done. It encourages people to continue praying, to continue supporting the missionary, for those who are new to get to know the missionary for the first time. The visit home to the local churches also encourages the missionary. Because again, we know that people are praying for us, but it's nice to see you and talk to you and have that personal interaction and that fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So what is your involvement in the missionary work of the Lord? Every Christian should be involved. And I say every Christian because until someone has received the salvation that God gives only by His grace, well, how can they be involved in missionary work? You have nothing to share. You have nothing to do because you are not yet a child of God. And so first of all, I want everyone here tonight to stop and think. Examine themselves. Because this is the most important thing. Do you know the true God? Have you been saved by grace through the blood of his Son? Are you depending on your good works to save you or by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ? And please don't assume, please don't assume because you're in a Christian family that you're saved, because you attend this church that you're saved, because you have Bible knowledge and you've been in churches for years that you're saved, are you a child of God? 
But then every Christian, every true child of God should be involved in missions in some way. Everyone can be involved in their local church. Everyone should realize the important role that they play in their own local church. Never undervalue that. Never undervalue the role that you play in your local church. Every part of the body is important. Some teach, some encourage. Everybody can pray. People work behind the scenes. There's so much to do. Sometimes people come and say, I don't know what to do in my local church. Ask your pastor. There's plenty to do. And pray. Always pray for the church. Pray for the teaching ministry of the church. Pray for those that the church has sent out. Pray for the missionaries. Every Christian should be involved in the local church. But also some need to go. I want to emphasize that here at the end of this message. In all of our local churches, Christians should be asking themselves if the Lord would have them leave their comfort zones and go to another culture to serve the Lord there. There's a very important balance to find this type of message. On the one hand, I want to encourage every person who is part of this local church, because everyone here is essential for missionary work. No one should think they have nothing to do. No one should think they can't be involved in missions because they're too old or don't have any knowledge or can't go anywhere. Everyone can be committed to, participate in a local church. Everyone can pray and give, which supports the missionary who has gone to a different culture. I want to encourage that. At the same time, God is still calling men and women and young people and children to the mission field. And I don't want anyone to feel so comfortable in their local church, in their own country, that they don't even consider the possible call of God to the mission field. I say God is still calling young people and children to the mission field. I don't mean by that that children are going to get up and leave and go to another country. But God can begin to burden the heart of a child or a young person at whatever age for the mission field, as he did in my own life. Young people here, don't just think about what you can study and what job you can get so you can earn a lot of money and be comfortable in the future. That's not the most important thing. Ask the Lord to guide you. Consider studying for full-time ministry. Consider preparing yourself for the mission field. And it's not just for young people and children either. Maybe the Lord will work in your heart to take you out of your comfort zone so that you would go and serve him in another place. Don't ignore the possibility. Be open to the Lord's guiding hand. And to those who will stay, well, learn to pray or continue to pray for your missionaries. Pray consistently, pray fervently, pray specifically Pray for grace for the missionary's family and for his church. Learn to give or continue to give generously and sacrificially for the spread of the gospel in many other places. Perhaps you cannot go, but you can give so that the work of the Lord may continue in other places. And at the end of the day, let us continue to trust in God's sovereignty for success in his work. We're all to be involved without a doubt, but God gives the increase. Acts 14, 26 says that Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. They fulfilled the work that God gave them to do. They had success because God always gives spiritual success in his own time. So let's be involved. Let's all do our part in missionary work. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. 
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take this part of your word and apply it to our hearts. We thank you for the example, not only of Paul and Barnabas, but also of the church in Antioch. We pray that this local church will continue to be, as it has been for so many years, a place that supports missionaries. We thank you for the faithfulness of this local church, and we pray, Lord, that would continue. They would never lose sight of the importance of praying, of giving, and supporting those who have gone out. We pray that each one here would be committed to and participating in the work of this local church, that every Christian would be involved in their own evangelism, their own spread of the gospel where they live, where they work, also that every Christian would be involved in some way in missionary work throughout the world as well. But we also pray that you would touch hearts of children or young people or adults here among us today. You are still calling people to go out and spread the gospel in places that are so dark We pray that you would do that here in all of our churches and our denomination. Would raise up men and women to serve you in our local churches, to to serve as elders, to serve as deacons, but also, Lord, for men to be called to the ministry, to plant churches here in Canada and the States and across the world. We know you can do that. You have the power to continually send out your people and to raise up men to do your work. And Lord, we pray that you would work in every heart. So help us to go from this place this evening meditating on your word and praying individually as families what the Lord would have each one to do in the missionary work that you have called. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank our brother tonight for the presentation that he has given to us. The video, first of all, was very informative, and it was helping us to see the work that has been done there, and then also to pray more effectively for them. And the challenge tonight has been very specific for us, and I think that as we have committed ourselves to the Lord and as we want to serve him in whatever capacity he enables us to do that, well, we have that before us tonight. I want to find, finalize our service now by singing this hymn, 545, 545, and we'll stand pleased to sing, Lord, send me anywhere.
service is just about over. I wonder how the Lord has spoken and touched your heart regarding the, the call to serve Him. And it's not limited to age. And I would certainly encourage everyone to seek the Lord, to pray, saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your will for my life? And we think, too, of the practical side of what we can give financially to assist and aid this work. And therefore, we leave that before you and before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we have been challenged tonight again by the Scripture, by the presentation that we have seen. And Lord, we pray, come and use us. Make use of us, Lord, individually and collectively as a local church to see what we can do and what we can do more for the cause of Christ. Dear Lord, put that in the heart of every young person, young adult. O oh God, stretch forth your spirit now and call and we know, Lord, that with that call there will come the equipping, the preparation, the sending out. And I pray that from this local congregation there will be young men, young women, sensing, knowing that call, men called into the gospel ministry. Lord, do that work, we pray, and help us as a people to rally behind them, to earnestly pray. Dear God, hear us tonight. Part us now in your fear with your rich blessing upon us until we meet again in Christ's name. Amen.